tonight, um, I want to wrap up, finally, chapter 6 of Isaiah. Um, and it's interesting because there's really sort of two people driving this lesson tonight. Um, one doesn't even know it, maybe. Um, but one is that when we looked in Isaiah, before we hit 9 and 10, we looked at the very end, and we had that short discussion about atonement um, and how often it occurs in the Old Testament, the word, um, but doesn't occur in the New Testament and why. And so um, Steve, which he does uh, many, many times, he took and run with it, which I love. And one of the things that I want to remind all you guys what I'm just thinking about, if you guys ever you know, feel like there's something that we're going through or something you want to dig in deeper and something you want to bring us through what we're doing in Isaiah, you're welcome to do that. I love that. I love when you guys like wrestle with something and, and then you can sort of bring us and we can learn from that. Yeah, so Steve's going to do that tonight. Um, and talk about atonement. Uh, so we're going to look at, we, we've gone through Isaiah 6 now. We've spent a long, long, fair amount of time in 9 and 10. And we're going to um, look at verse 7 of Isaiah 6. And then we're going to finish off Isaiah 6 by going through, because Jason said last night, we got to get through 11 through 13. <laughs> so you're the driver of that other part for that. So we'll go through 11 through 13. And then just to give you an idea from there is my hope is that next week, finally, we will now transition into Chapter 7, which will sort of take a different switch. It'll be refreshing. We're going to actually now get into history, get into what did God actually do with Israel, with Judah, with Assyria, with Babylon, with these different kings, and how the things we learn in Chapters 1 through 6 really now play itself out. Um, it's sort of like we've been given the playbook. <laughs> you know, God gave us a playbook, you know. I'm thinking about that right now. I don't know why that came to my mind. Um, I was watching baseball earlier, I guess. But um, in, we, we've been given sort of a playbook in 1 through 6, and now we're going to see those plays executed um, for much of the rest of Isaiah. So that's what we'll start next week um, and get into some history and stuff. So having said that, I'm going to have Steve... Um, launch into what we're doing and maybe if you want to give some context give some context yeah. I'm going to go downstairs real quick and wipe my glasses off because if I do it up here I can't, everything's blurry right now <laughs> so just go ahead and start with you right now so I don't know if any of you guys got that handout the handout maybe not last week but the week before a couple weeks ago, ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. so I was you know I've got my phone and I'm a King James, I was raised in the King James, right? But I've recently gone over to the ESV just to kind of try to stay balanced. And uh, But I have this app on my phone that's strong concordance for the King James version, so I can hit all the Hebrew words and Greek words, Hebrew words in the Old Testament, Greek words in the New. And so the first thing when this guy, when I saw this guy say, doesn't show up in the New Testament. I'm like, what? And I type it in, and naturally it's used once in the King James Version. So I look it up, and and then all of a sudden I see it occurs more times, up to like eight or ten times, I think, total. But there's a big difference in the atonement in the New Testament and the atonement in the Old Testament. And so I just was starting to look it up and kind of like, I thought it was pretty cool. So what I did is I wrote down uh, 
and this is kind of, it's kind of could be confusing in a way. Uh, basically, what I've done is put down the Greek words and the Hebrew words, and then the definition of them. But I thought what we would do is maybe just start reading some of the verses and see where it takes us. And if anything opens it up to you guys, please bless us. Make it come to life. Did you ever send that thing to John Piper? I didn't. You know, I, I kind of started the whole thing out as a Dear, dear John letter. <laughs> he was writing to John Piper. Yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of held back and, and went, ah, you know what? He he has it right. That he's one of his listeners. Yeah. One of his listeners called in and just went, why isn't it showing up in the New Testament? And he, it has a lot to do with the word cover. So, in the Old Testament, the word atonement uses cover. In the New Testament, it does not use cover. But the interesting thing I found out about the word cover itself, it just, I don't know, really kind of blew my mind. Which isn't like a big task or anything. <laughs> but it's a really simple task. Um, okay. So, Father God, just bless the study and Open the scriptures up to us, Lord. They don't come to life. You say, Lord, when two or three of us are gathered, you're right there in our midst. Uh, let us fill you tonight. And let us be blessed by you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's see here. And one of the things just to note, too, is that atonement, part of the good reason I'm going through this with Steve did, which I'm like, this really good, is, I mean, what this is the core of what Christ did on the cross. Yeah. <laughs> This is sort of the core of what everything in the Old Testament is looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Say, how do we get out of this mess if we're reading Isaiah? <laughs> okay, um, and so this is really the core of where this is, this word and all the things around it bring out a lot of what is it that actually happened on the cross that affects us today. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so anyways, so the word atonement is used 102 times in the Old Testament. We're only used in the New Testament ten times. And there's something missing in the New Testament atonement. So I use Leviticus 16, 29 through 30. Uh, and I don't know if you guys want to read it in a different version rather than being in the King James. We can. Yeah, it'd be good to that. I think it'd be good to see, to see the different versions. Is that what this is, King James? The yeah, right yeah. yeah. I, I was telling the guys, I, I do it out of the King James because I have um, the Strong's Concordance on my yeah, phone with, with it. Kings, yeah, right. So I can do all the Hebrew words and the Greek words. Well, I'm um, sure all of you guys, how many of you guys were in for your devotions today in Leviticus? Maybe. Right? <laughs> no? Oh, that's surprising. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You want to, uh, great. Yeah. If you're there, you want to read? Sure. 
Uh, uh, do you want me to do it in this version or from this yeah, version? Yeah, I, I think go ahead and do it in, in my version. version. Okay. We could read along in this so one. So we've got Leviticus 16, 29, 29 through 30. All right. And it shall be a statue to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For in this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. Yeah, so so anyways, when you look up this word atonement, it's kafar. Um, And the definition is a primitive root to cover specifically with Bitumen. Figuratively to expiate or condone, to placate or cancel, appease, make an atonement, cleanse, disannul, forgive, be merciful, pacify, pardon, purge, purge away, put off, make, make reconciliation, reconcile. What does bit you mean? So check this out. So I look up bitumen. And it says, any of various flammable mixtures of relatively non-volatile hydrocarbons mm-hmm. that occur naturally are obtained by fractional distillation oh. of petroleum. Bitumens are used for paving, roofing, waterproofing, and also asphalt, and is called pitch. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. So, so... Huh. All of a sudden, like the light went off in my head, the Old Testament atonement and sacrifices could only cover sins, right? They were abandoned. Yeah. It was a it was abandoned. It was like this. What do we do with this? A picture, a picture over there, right? Right. Um, and yeah, it's a to me, it's like you just go, and that comes with the word cover. I think as well to cover it says to cover specifically with bitumen uh, and so then so then I, I just as a reference looked it up in Genesis 6.14 it was literally used as the word pitch oh, wow. oh. so I don't know if they used the word pitch uh, and somebody does somebody have um, I'll pitch it what are you looking for Genesis 6.14 that we read that word in the English Standard Version. I'm kind of curious as to whether or not it's used as pitch in there. I'm looking at ESV because I have it. I can look at the Greek. I'm going to keep it with that. It's, it's pitch in, in the ESV. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Six fourteen. Huh. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. So this is like what Noah, Noah was doing to huh. the boat. And then I started going, you know, and you, you start looking at like the instructions Moses had. And you're kind of going, and that boat saved what? Eight souls or something like that because he was using So it's like that pitch. Hmm. It's for salvation. 
So to me, I feel like I'm just like scratching the surface of something really huge here. Like the fact that they use the word pitch and to cover sins with it. And then you see it. I just, I don't know. It's Very puzzling. Yeah, right? it is. Is it? Really, I mean, I mean, I, I, well, I'm you, sorry oh, to hear. Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. So I just looked it up. Okay. I mean, just, no, just thinking about it. I never heard even yeah. this word was in there. It actually means, and so this is why it's called, it's called this. It actually means smear over. So it's the price of expiation. It's so smearing over. So you've got something that covers. Yeah. That's why I think they're saying pitch because it's something you would use on buildings and stuff like that to smear over. So they're talking about how, in essence, what atonement is is a like a covering, but it's a smearing over. Right. Yeah, interesting. Isn't that's it? why I think that yeah, smearing over of the of your sins. Oh, and it's like covering, yeah. like you put a coat of, like you put a coat of your stuff over yeah. your glaze. Glaze, yeah. Glaze over my sins. Yeah. Yeah. And then fire. Yeah. yeah. Fire. <laughs> Holy fire. Uh, let's hope it's holy. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Jason, what are you going to say? It's used to, in all these instances, is a waterproofing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and, um, especially with Noah. Well, with the roofing, uh, with all of that, with the cover, it's not just a cover, and specifically, I mean, it's not the roof, it's the stuff that keeps the water from coming in. Yeah, sealant. It's the sealant. And not only that, it is, like you say, it's, it's also referenced as, it's a bandage. It's, we mm-hmm. are, yeah. you are yeah. injured head to toe, and you yes. don't even know it. You don't okay, know. what are the injuries? Your sins. That is that... Wow. This is the ointment the to get you through until the day of healing, right. which is Christ crucified. Exactly. Right? Well, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. this is the stuff that I get turned on by when you start finding these patterns and these words and that are used that aren't by mistake. No. Turn, no. soil, all these things, they're all in there, mouth, consumption, eating, all this stuff, it's all the, the, these things, and they're played out all the way through. Yeah. I know. Fascinating. It, I thought so, too. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I wish I, there. I, I wish I, I wish I had more, I think there's more to that. I wish I had more, but I just thought it was like, That's cool. what I love about it, keep going. Well, Stop you on. know, <laughs> what's weird is I, is I actually, the other day I was talking to somebody, and, and the whole concept of pitch in a boat. I was like, it's I, no, it was my son. It was my younger son. I was talking to him about exact use that exact analogy. So it's like, you know, living your life outside of the kingdom is like building a boat without tar. Huh. <laughs> putting the wood slats together and going out in the ocean expecting not to sink. Yeah, Bruce was here and he was, he's building a boat right now. So Bruce Angerlin? Oh yeah? Yeah, he's building a boat. A hand built that's a sailboat that he's got up in Washington and he's been taking me through all the different places of it. He's getting pretty close to it being done. Awesome. But he would be able to speak to exactly what he's saying because that's exactly what he has to do was, mm-hmm. was do those types of things so you seal it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like your word sinking versus 
the pitch helps you stay afloat. Yeah, otherwise the water's going to get in and you're going to sink. It might, it, the wood might keep you up for a little bit, but it's going to fill the water and you're going down. Yeah. And no one has a kid that lived near a, a abandoned uh, uh, amusement park that had a creek running through it. And they had these, yeah, it was so cool. And they had these, that old ride where the boats would go around in a circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, all those boats were just laying around by the creek. So naturally, we put every one of those things in the creek and rode them down <laughs> until they sank. And every one sank, right? Everyone could have used some pitch. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they weren't made to hit all those rocks that were nope. way down. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Wow. Where was this? Yeah, thrilled. Oh, gosh. It was in the kind of kind of in the border of Pico Rivera, Montebello, hmm. I think. It's like this, there was a this big dam, and it was like right, right after the dam. And it was just like we, you know, in those days it was abandoned. It was we'd walk everywhere. Sure. You know, it's so cool. We'd go out in the morning. We wouldn't come back for the night. That's how it was. It's so good. You're instructed yeah. not to. <laughs> yeah. We would catch, you know, bring home polywogs and crawdads. And sure. To get up in the morning and they'd all be out of the wheelbarrow that I filled with water. Like right, the polywogs, three legs, and crawdads crawl away. Um, yeah, so, okay, so then if we jumped into the New Testament atonement, uh, and this is where I found atonement in, in the King James Version, Right. is Roman 5.11, and I'll read it. Uh, it says, and not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received atonement. And atonement is good enough. It's all Greek for me. Right. So, which means the definition is restoration, restoration to the divine, favor, atonement, reconciling. So, so, and I don't know if you guys would want to read Romans. Uh, like five, like eight through twelve. We can. Get some yeah, whichever ones here. you think would be. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, this is what's good is we get a little it's, bit of New Testament, which we need a little right now. Let's try this. So, so I was thinking we read maybe. Romans five, eight through twelve. We just kind of, kind of uh, embraces that verse. And you see that in the uh, ESV, it uses, instead of atonement, it uses reconciliation. Okay, let's see here. 8, eight through 12. If anybody else wants to read, please do. Um, okay, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are, that we are reconciled, 
shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And that's that's the atonement there. So since so you have that word used a lot of times. Do you, Recon- do you see yeah. it? Does it say it's reconciled? Yeah, uh, it's the same word. It's the same. Well, mine doesn't say atonement. It'll use the word reconcile. But I mean, when you look at... Um, I was wondering if you could look yours up in the Greek. Yeah, it does. It's, it is it is the same word it as is. what you're saying here. It's that kata, yeah. kata lodge. Okay. So it's used, like it says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled. So what is your... It says King James... What is... Your King James? What does 10 say? What does 510 say in your King James? 5.10. New Living Translation says restored. That's, that's interesting. So that says restored. restored. So what does your say, Stephen? King James? Uh, oh, in the King James. Because what I'm interested in is, is seeing how much King James is reconciled. Yeah, because I wonder, because you're saying King James says atone, atonement there, right? Yeah. I'm I, interested in seeing whether it says atonement with that same word is used. I don't think it does. See, that's that's, that's called interpretation. That's oh, where you have. It is. Is that right? That's where you have men. Or make. I mean, everything. All these are interpretations, that's right? right. But every one of those words is, all says the same exact thing. Yeah, it does. Or nuances, at least, of it. Yeah. Well, no, in terms of the, the objective. Yes, exactly. Communication. Exactly. It's all, it's all the same thing. Exactly. I, I, and so, and so, yours doesn't use the word. Atonement, like when you look up your, it doesn't have like a list of words used. Well, uh, like yeah, ca- it does. I can look at the. Um, if you looked at the Greek. Yeah, word, I'm looking at the Greek word right now, but the Greek. They don't use atonement there. But no, they use reconcile. Um, and this hmm. is. Let me just look up. I don't think they even. That's why I was wondering if yours. Is in the King James it would be interesting because if if in the King James it's not using the word atonement in verse ten, but it is in eleven. <coughs> there's them um, sort of saying, okay, we're going to call it one thing, one place. Right. Yeah, it actually. <laughs> well, so they use the word. Doesn't actually use the word. You look at all the dictionaries, Greek dictionaries. I'm looking at right King now. King James says reconcile. Yeah, they all use yeah reconcile. Yeah, reconcile. That's like yeah. the, by far the main word which is use of that catalogue. Right. right, that's right. Um, which yeah, just to reconcile. Um, and you see, this is what's fascinating here about what he's talking about because you see the word atonement, or it's translated. The Hebrew word just kafar is translated as atonement in the Old Testament which means what we were talking about. Now you get to the New Testament. The New Testament never uses the Greek words and Hebrew words. It never it never uses the same word for the meaning of atonement in the Old Testament. It comes now with a new word because of being in Christ. So it's now using the word that we're seeing. One of those words is reconcile. So what's fascinating is that means you're seeing, okay, well, God did one thing in the Old Testament and how he worked with sin. But now in the New Testament of Christ is something more or different, right? Well, you don't see the word cover anymore, do you? No, you don't. No. It's not used as a yeah. description. 
Yeah, so it's fascinating. This is fascinating. I've never seen. Um, I've never seen it. Yeah. Did I finish twelve? I was going to finish Romans five twelve. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. So anyway. That was that. So, so you're just saying. Well, so, interestingly enough, you don't. Do you don't have a. Is your. Yeah. So here you go. See, this is what's fascinating. This is King James. So King James is saying in verse 10, "For if when we were enemies we were reconciled." Let's see. Yes. Okay. Oh. Okay. This. Here. This is actually good because this is why we study like this because you get to see they had to make choices in how they how they interpret words and how they use words, right? And so that's why it's always good. You get an English Bible, you look at other English Bibles, you go, oh, look at these differences. And you start saying, why are these differences? And sometimes you can find out important things like what Steve's finding out right now. So I think having those different perspectives, too, helps you to understand the word better. Exactly. Very good. Exactly. Um, so, in the King James... In verse in 510, it says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled, there's King James, to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received atonement. There's the word. It should be received or should have been reconciled. It's the same Greek word. But they chose to use the word atonement in the King James Version, which is probably... It's a noun. Yeah, and it's actually not an, what I would call an accurate translation based on what we're learning in the Old Testament. Okay. Well, and this is, and you got to realize that this is... King James was written back in the 1650s, 1600s. They did not also have the same manuscripts and everything that we do today. But they're also different English, too. It's an older English. Yeah. So, yeah. But now, but well, but those are different words in the English standard. They're all version. from the same. They're all. They're all. They're all from the Greek word. Kato, whatever we said, right? Well, yeah. So if you, but verse to, to me that seems. I mean, uh, yeah, but that makes sense though to use two different words again, even if it is an interpretation. It, it's you could just use those the same word, but it wouldn't have the same impact. I, well, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's their different root. It's all using the same root word. Right. But the difference is only the ones a noun versus a verb or things like that. But it's all from the same root word. <laughs> I can't say Catalana or whatever. Yeah. So even though it's a different, even yeah, cat, cat, was it? Catalage. Catalage. Yeah. Because when I look up when I look up those reconciled, it's Catalasso. Correct. So there you go. That's just that's like the difference between saying um, what's two different this, verbs. This one's saying a verb and a noun. Yeah. Right. So that's this good looking right here. Right. So all it is is the same Greek word. One is used as a verb and one's used as a noun. As a noun, that's right. So they, or King James, chose to translate the noun as not reconcile, but chose to translate atonement. 
but it's the same Greek word meaning that re- reconciled. That reconciled is the same as atonement, but the atonement is the actual noun for the verb to be reconciled. That's the way they translate in yeah. King James. But you'll see now that like the ESV is more consistent, and probably the other ones are more consistent too, because they're saying we're dealing with the, this word reconcile, and we're going to say mm-hmm. use the word reconcile as a verb, and then reconcile as a noun. But it's the same again. It's the same Greek right. word, just one's a verb and one's a noun. Okay. And that's why you see in your Strong's G two six four three versus right. G something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Sorry. We are getting tough with that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I told you, Mark, that we would get <laughs> get into the Greek more than we necessarily <laughs> usually do. But this is good. Uh, okay, I've seen stuff yeah. I've never seen before. Okay. So, okay. So then I thought. It, it was also used as uh, used in Second Corinthians five eighteen. Uh, so I thought we'd read Second Corinthians seventeen through twenty one. Anybody feels someone gonna volunteer for that? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Let's see where am I? So, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, so you're seeing, you're using that same. So I just looked. So G, the strong number G two six four three, is this, which is a noun. It is okay. a noun. So they're right. using it as a noun as well. That's right. Okay. And so the King James is translate eight G two six four three as atonement. However, if you take a look at what all the other versions are doing, they're translate reconciled, mm-hmm. but. Because then, just like King James, the King mm-hmm. James uses the verb G2644, see how close they are, same yeah. root, to, to translate reconcile, so they're sort of being inconsistent. They're using the word reconcile, and then they're switching and calling it something else when they call it atonement. They should uh-huh. just stay with reconcile. Like well, I think, I think, well, they do stick with reconciliation after that. Yeah, I know, but that's just weird. It, it, but it, again... Yeah. But you can find this on age, right? Yeah. 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 So it's good. It's good yeah. stuff. Anyway. I never knew that. What's the G2643 coming from? Is that from the concordance? Or what's yeah. the Yeah, so right? that's okay. the strong. Okay. I got you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So. G2643. Yeah. 
So let's see. Yeah, two six four three. Is that what you said? Yeah, two six four three is what they translate atonement, but G two six four four as the verb they translate as reconcile. Oh, okay. <laughs> the King James. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, then I thought Romans eleven fifteen. Uh, I mean, you good going over these things with reconciliation? Yeah, or if you want to, do we have any other ones? That are, well, that one's different. Is that one different? What about, why don't we oh, go down to, um, what do you have under, oh, here's propitiation. You want to do that one? Yeah, if you want to, if you can. Yeah, why don't we move down to that one? Okay, so. Because you're showing the different words are used, which is good. Right. Okay, so in John 2, 1 John 2, 2, uh, I thought we'd read 1 John 2, 2, 1 through 6. Come on, someone volunteer. Who's going to read that? First John. Yeah, First yeah. John, two one through six. I have uh, NLT here. Oh, Go there you go. Yeah, yeah NLT's yeah, like great. Yeah, I like it. I love it. I got a giant font too. <laughs> That's the best glass. part. <laughs> <laughs> really no, I just need the, uh, the the light that you put on your shoulder. We need to get better lights. Um, they want, we want to get track lights here. Is what we're hoping to well, do, it's not so. too bad. I don't want to feel like I'm being a terrorist. Yeah, I know. That's what I don't either. So I want to get something that's warm. <laughs> they have little reading know? lights. Like, yeah. They have in the airplanes. Um, yeah, exactly. Hey. Okay. So, two, I, two, I, have, right. I have a ton as long as they didn't get swiped, I have some really cool lamps. A whole bunch of oh. little lamps that would fit in here. Oh, um, I'm interested, Jason. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're going to read um, NLT? Also. NLT 2-2, two, two, first two, job. 2-2-2 two, two, two through 6, then? Oh, oh, 1 through 6. Oh, 1, one through, through 6, six. okay. Yeah. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can <clears throat> excuse me, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And so that propitiation is Holosmos, G2434, and the definition that uses Atonement, of course, but that's I guess <clears throat> that's used in. Uh, that is one of the. I mean, that is so. In this word, that is um, atonement. Is one of atone is yeah, one of the words that. Um, yeah, it, it it's there. It's closer to the word atonement than the other okay. Gotcha. That's that's the word the Greek Septuagint uses to dra- translate the word atone. Right. Is it? I, I think so. Yeah. The one in. Um, 
Yeah, that'd be interesting. Is that the one in uh, well, it's, Isaiah? Um, it says here Halismos, but it's um, Halesketai. Is that, is that what it is? Halesketai is, is the um, Greek Septuagint equivalent of a tone, which is Kapoor. Kapoor. Right, right, right. It's, oh, okay. It seems like, uh, so this is the one that gets translated in the Septuagint. Same, same root word, though. It yeah, that's... Like. Yeah. H-I-L-A-S. Um, Hilas. Right. right. H-I... Yep, I see that. Yeah. H-I-L-A-S, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's what the Greek Septuagint uses in Isaiah 6-7. I believe so. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. That's cool. Okay, then also... So, yeah, so the meaning of this word is different than reconciled, right? So this one means atonement or forgiveness. This has more the idea of sin offering, forgiveness, atonement. Um, so it's different than reconcile. Not that they don't use, but you got a different Greek word meaning sort of something different now. This is, so this is something different Jesus did. He didn't just reconcile us to God, but he also did something with sin. <laughs> yeah. What do you do with sin then? Yeah. So in the Old Testament, we just said the words for sin in the Old Testament means to cover it. Cover. Smear over. So, so remember... He wiped clean. Yeah, so you guys remember from my sermon? There's no smear There you go. I wiped his rain. So, remember I said this is was four generations? Do you have four like feet. a suitcase over there? Yeah. <laughs> so, in fact, what's so funny is I didn't realize yeah, until... I didn't realize. <laughs> Have you got the plant over there somewhere yeah. in that little suitcase? Yeah. <laughs> but this, okay, but seriously, this to me was like God working. Away. I was not planning on doing I what I did in the sermon where I said, and covering. Uh-huh. I had no plan on doing that before I went up there. And all of a sudden, I just like, oh, I could just do the covering. Then, no idea connecting at all to what we're talking about tonight, which is that's exactly what happened in the Old Testament was it covered the sin. So the question, I guess, then is, okay, so if it covered the sin, then here's our sin. What does he do now? And Jesus is gone. Yeah. It's like, poof, poof. Right? That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) If people got that fact and your sins are forgiven, they're just gone. No, no existing. Like they never were. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I was just gonna say, and I was looking at this, and this is the ESV, right? Right. And it says in six seven, it says, um, "Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for." Mm-hmm. And we just—that's the Old Testament. Right. And then, then we're back over here, what we just read in First John, and it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. So. Is he looking forward, saying, yeah. "Is this a, is this a Christophany kind of by this is what's I, happening?" Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would think okay. so. I mean, because it's like, okay, so we're connecting the dots. Yeah, I'm that's lost. Exactly. Somebody else lost. No, I'm just yeah. trying to figure. No, out. I think it's exactly what you do, and I think I that you're yeah, just coming into it. My opinion is, is, is not. We talked about that last week, maybe or the week before. Yeah. So you guys, I'm sorry, you guys are really 
kind of coming out hard night. <laughs> no, I mean it makes yeah, sense because yeah. it's because of the old, you know we're talking about smearing over, and it's like we were righteous in the Old Testament, like in the what is it the Abrahamic covenant because we believed, and that's how we were counted for righteousness. Right. Like right. we enter into that covenant. Right. Right. Out of faith. And then now he's talking about atonement. So I'm thinking we must be going forward here. Yeah. In the sense, because here we are in atonement vibes, not just smeared over vibes. We're getting, you know, like atonement. And then we're talking about what atonement means, which is, you know, forgiveness of sin. Like forget. Like okay. And he even says right there, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, not just covered up. That sounds good. It's taken <laughs> I think it's it purified. It's purified yeah. in a tone yeah. form. Yeah. yeah. And what's yeah, interesting, notice that that's what you see in the Old Testament. It's like the spirit, right? The spirit doesn't come upon the people. It comes upon individuals to do certain things. I think the same thing you're seeing here is Isaiah becomes a Christ-like figure. Mm-hmm. This, this pre-configuring what Christ has been do on the cross Amazing. is to give all the yeah, you know, to give all How so he what did people, because what did Isaiah do Isaiah yeah. took in this verse yeah. he takes upon the sins of all his people yeah. mm-hmm. and then God comes and he forgives the well yeah it basically there is probably like he's actually like forgiving showing what ultimate Christ is going to do yeah, like yeah. a preview yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like a preview, like a movie preview, exactly. Yeah, or part two, right? Part two. <laughs> yeah, that's just a beautiful the trailer. Thing. Yeah. Beautiful thing about Isaiah, he's like, he's speaking of these things that Christ right. do. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, he went out and he said, like, I'll go kill the people. You know, he's like, whoa, he's fired up. Isaiah's fired up. Oh, saying, yeah. Okay, this is amazing. And well, he's got burning um, right. holes in it. He's fired up. It's about the, exactly, and the atonement concept is like, whoa, yeah. this is hectic. This isn't just the covering up. Right. And so he's like, what should I do? Well, go out and tell the people. And that's where we were talking about last week. It's right. like, they weren't ready to receive it. It's like, make their ears dull. Yep. and they're, you know, right. It's like, what? What's going on here? It gets confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we might like to think like, hey, if I was in that position, it's like, yes, atonement, this will work. But it wasn't time yet. I guess must have been frustrating for Isaiah to say to have this experience with the Lord, and then he's ready to tell the people. He's like, "I'll go, I'll do this." Right. And then, and then this comes out. I'm keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing. Don't see. I mean, he's bringing. That's hard. God's using Isaiah to bring judgment. Which is that cycle that we always right. see, and then and then God will go on to say, "But don't worry, we got good things coming." Exactly. Right. But He, it's like, oh, why do we get so far in our lives where it's like, ah, because He says, "Oh, you've gone so far past my pain," <laughs> and we got to do some judgment now. And you're like, ah, and then it's like, but on the other side, we'll we'll yeah. do the redemption thing. That's what I like about Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews 12, 12 yeah. 13, where it talks about the God in disciplining us is really showing us through that discipline how much he loves us. Because that's what a father is going to do to his children is discipline, because he's trying to raise them up. It really shows love. If God was at a place of saying, forget it, it'd be like a father saying, yeah, go ahead, run out in front of the cars, I don't care. It's like, what kind of love is that? No, but God says, I'm going to discipline my people so they will be like me. Yeah. Well, so what's interesting in that whole... All the way down the line, Abraham, faith, Isaiah, 
he didn't just show up and they put a coal to his lips. First, he had to recognize the fact that he was in front of the Lord of hosts. And he dropped down and he knew he was where he was. He knew he had faith. He believed that and so forth. What does God punish people for? Purely for not believing. What does Christ say to the Pharisees in Sanhedrin? It's like, if you guys knew me, I'm the Messiah, man. You know, if you knew my father, you'd know me. But you don't believe. You refuse to believe because it doesn't fit your narrative. Therefore, you're going to die in your sins and you are children of Satan. That's so heavy. But the faith, 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 all the way through that, that those patterns. Yeah. First that, okay, now you're in. Each level, first I'll put a Band-Aid on you. Secondly, I'm going to just heal you. But if you don't know, <laughs> yeah. you're still, you're, you're still already lost. dead. Yeah, exactly. It's like Hebrews 11, it's always been by faith. Right. That's, yep. that's yeah. what we've got. That's what we got to learn. It's, it's the only way, by faith. And that's what you see in people like Isaiah. They have that faith that yeah. ultimately becomes the faith. That I almost think, you know, the, I agree, it gets really confusing. I don't think it's up to us to truly understand, but through faith, you just know that it's okay, that it's, it's God. Well, I think we're to understand, but we're not going to fully understand. We, we right? won't fully we understand. Have the veil. I mean, yeah, we're not going to fully yeah, until, like, yeah. gets fallen. Right. <laughs> no, but, but, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, but, but no, I, I would agree with what Jason's going with this, is that's why we keep doing, doing this. this. Right, just to lift Tearing the veil down. Because that we're, fog we're, starts. We're trying to see it. I don't know if yeah. you just read that, it's, but it's live as Jesus did. Right. Okay. It's not. Oh, it's impossible. It's not a, a, a fog. It's not even a veil. It's Jesus not, was clear yeah. as a bell. Absolutely. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Yeah. So, first thing we got to be prepared to do is accept a totally new reality. The one we know, the one we were brought up in, all this stuff is baloney. Yeah. Well, what did if he you, just read in Second Corinthians? New yeah. reality, new creation. Totally. Right. But hey, quit trying to match this thing up with that thing. Yeah, they're two the different hassle. things. Right. The clarity is there. It's crystal. But you got to step into it. It's it, and and I would say like all of us explained here where they're going. The reason this was all done this way, the reason the Jews' eyes were made, well, they were blinded and they mm -hmm. couldn't hear, was so that the Gentiles, so come in. we could come in, right? This is just God's perfect plan. But, you, so but, the, but they're they're, he's also not making it definitive. He's saying, lest they. Yeah. Okay? He's, he's, he's throwing it down. People, here's the program. Right. Your choice. He's still getting the choice. Whatever you just read in here somewhere else, you give it, uh, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Entrusting to us yes. the message of reconciliation. Mm. Exactly. Okay, that means we are entrusted with understanding the message of reconciliation. We are the stewards of this word. That's right. And if we don't take it on wholeheartedly, completely, with the knowledge that the words that Christ said were anything other than completely literal. But faith is what he, I think, if I, if 
faith is yeah. the activator. Faith is right. Faith is the, it, it's without faith. I could have all the book knowledge I want. He's saying, exactly. on my measure of faith by doing this, if I might be, this is what's transforming us as yeah. we, the, the word is supernaturally transforming us. Your faith is what is activating it. Yeah, it's the yeah. connection. And then all of a sudden your faith grows. You're doing it. I walk out of here like, I know more. Yeah, I know right. more, that's like right. supernaturally. Right. I know more. I have more faith. Absolutely. This stuff is real. This Absolutely. stuff is so real. Our eyes are open in this room. It's the living world. Yes. Very, but that doesn't mean we can't grow in our faith, which is activated by knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But knowledge without faith, we're clanging symbols yeah. and let's Very go. Well, yeah. and that's exactly why Jesus says, because what did the Pharisees do? Exactly. The Pharisees sat around like this. They had the, they did this yeah. like all they did yeah. this like all the time. What but we're then, doing right now, right? But then faith without the, knowledge is equally right. Well, yeah, that's our, right. that's yeah. always our caution, which I think is what you're kind of, I mean, that's always our caution is with humility, also realizing it's through our faith that we have to now live this out. But we live that out through a relationship. That's why we are reconciled to God, is we live that out through our relationship with Christ, not us trying to be men just going to go out and do it ourselves and take over the world, right? Exactly. And do it all in the name of the Bible, in the name of God, and yet we're just going off to God. And that's the big judgment that you see in the New Testament is you had all these people who knew the scriptures. Inside and out. But they were not following Christ and weren't following God. And they're just putting more stuff on top of that. Right. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's, um, it's a good, good discussion, guys. What? Awesome. So anyway, and then there's just one one more different, which shows up in Mercy somewhere. Let's see. Is that the head? Uh, Luke 18.13? Yeah, Luke 18.13. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's... Uh, we should read that one. Yeah, which one's a good one to read for that? Which... Those. Which one, Steve? Hebrews? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm looking, yeah, we could do Hebrews 2.17 or... Hebrews 2.17. Yeah. And then just just read 10 through 18 if you want. I like that. If, if you guys go back and read, I wrote it to the to the right of all your... Uh, like at the end of them, I wrote right. like 9 through 28. Right. When you read... All those verses. I would encourage you guys to like go on and do it because it's it just like gives the whole story, just like all the different. You know, it's just really cool. But um, I, I think what the interesting thing I think I found about this mercy as uh, when you look it up. Let's see, where did I? Did I yeah, how did you connect that one to atonement? Because uh, it it comes in, you know, how in the court in the concordance, it tells you how many times that word's used. Oh, okay. And so I just started, I just oh, kept linking oh. them. And the neat thing about this, uh, where did it go? Was it Alaska Mai? Alaska Mai, definition, middle voice. Oh, this is right at Hebrews two seventeen. Middle voice from the same as 2436 to conciliate, i.e. Trans, transitively to atone for sin or intransitively. Be propitious, be merciful, make for uh, reconciliation. 
but one of them actually had the mercy seat listed in here. Sorry. That might have been. It should have been. No. It, it might have been that last one. Uh, oh yeah, there we go. Hebrews nine five. Yeah, Hebrews nine five. Yeah, and over the, the and over it the cherubim of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot speak particularly. Right? Is it? I thought that was a really interesting verse. Oh, so that's that word. That, oh. Yeah, that's ho- oh, holos- okay. that's hilasterion. Huh. So anyway. But like all this, you know, I think all this being said, I just think that there's just so much in here. We were talking about this relationship, uh, and I was sharing this with Steve Doherty the other day. How in the morning, like my wife's got a new job and it's really stressful, and you know sometimes your boss is really like firing cheap shots. So I'm hearing about it all night long, and. In the morning, wake up, same thing, all over again. But in the morning, we we read the word together, right? And so we're always seeking God. What what would He have us read? Well, so she goes, Gosh, He just gave me Mark six nine, right? So I think this kind of feeds into here as well. You go to Mark six six nine. It's just the simplest little verse. Yeah. Uh, six. No, let me see where you read it here. So, so, we, so, yeah. So we read it, and you kind of go. She goes, "Oh, maybe I didn't hear from him." It says, "He says, but put on your sandals, hmm. and don't put on two tunics." Oh, interesting. Right? She's going, "Oh well." And so, why is it don't put on an extra shirt? Right? right? Does it? Yeah, so, that's what I said. so don't put on the extra shirt, sure. right? And so what does uh, the Lord give me? He goes, yeah. He says, you know, shod your feet with the gospel of peace. Put on your sandals, right? And put on one coat or one shirt, which is Christ Jesus. Right on. The the simple, guess what the says sec- he allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Yeah. Kind of like that. <laughs> right. Oh, is that what your sense? Yeah, New Living Translation. Oh, right. So the change. It's one of my go-to. Yeah, it just yeah. is. You know, it, so like you, the, I like all the translations. Yeah. So you, you're putting on Christ, right? Yeah. What do you think that second coat is, or the second shirt is? That's a good question. It's the flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Your wants. And I'm telling really I go, I go, sweetheart, you go mm-hmm. in there and you put on Christ. You're not offended by anything your boss says. Not at all. You're loving on her no matter what. But as soon as you put on that second coat, then you come home with this. <laughs> Judging according to the flesh. Judging according mm. to the flesh. All torn up inside. No peace whatsoever. But when you put on that one shirt, Christ Jesus, you've got peace. There's nothing that can rock you. And so she just like went off with that one like, oh, thank you. So 
Today we're kind of back at the same spot, yeah. but it worked for, yeah. it worked for about two you gotta, days. You gotta keep putting it on, man. You know, Steve, you I think Michelle and I are going to move into your place. We can we all do this together, okay? It's so good. I mean, God, yeah, when you good. so well, basically, the ladies can handle it with each other. <laughs> they need us guys to be able to. Right. You know what? God just told me one day. I think it was through Pat, David Jeremiah. He says, "Men." Wash your women in the Word, hmm. as Christ washes the church, hmm. right? And so I, I just started doing it, and it's turned into such a beautiful ministry, to where I'm not just ministering to her. I mean, God's like, she's ministering to me as well. Of course, of course. But for men to take that time, God just blesses you so much. He opens so much up. Yeah. And, you, and if you're not married, I would oh, just so say I would say best. you would you would just find someone to do this stuff with, you know, just gathering together. I like what you said too, just reading yeah. silently. If so, over using if she's asleep in the bed, just well, we whatever. Yeah, if she falls asleep at night, my daughter or I, we at night my daughter joins us. If one of us falls asleep, we just read aloud over them, right? And just, it's yeah. Like we, we don't need to be quiet. Go ahead and read it aloud. The mm-hmm. power of that word. Oh, yeah. Have it yeah. Good. Yeah. Wow, thank you, Steve. Yeah. Well, Very good. Good work. No, good work. Anybody else have anything? I know one place you were going to say something, but I... Oh, you're getting a lot of mileage out of that string, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, he was. It took he me, was. Like, you guys should have seen my house. Like, so I bought. You know, it's like that string you use to, like, you know, what do you do to measure? You know, but you do the little things. I got a Home Depot, and there was two rolls of that pink, 500 each, 500 um, 500 feet each, and I like, and I'm like, I was originally thinking, oh, it'd be so cool. Maybe I'll just have my daughter take it and start unrolling and start walking in and around the church and see how many times you go around the church. And then, of course, that's going to take like 10 minutes of my sermon. I'm yeah. like, I, I mean, that's going to take too long. So then I just thought, okay, you know, why don't I just unroll it? So I was sitting there in my living room like this, trying to get all, the whole thing all unrolled from that school. And there you have the mess. And that's <laughs> so. right. Exactly. You can't screen. You can never straighten it out once it gets No, it's, it's yeah. I saw that it got really messed up. Uh, um, yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, thank you, Steve. That was wow. That was I learned some good stuff there. Um, why don't we turn to Isaiah? But uh, I did want to recommend a book if uh-huh, anybody's yeah. interested in atonement theology. Uh, William Lane Craig came out with a book last year, which is Atonement and the, and the Death of Christ. Oh. By nice William Lane Craig. Have you read that? Yes. Is it almost really good? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've got the digital and physical copies of it. Oh, yeah, it's, okay. it's good for reference. I didn't know there was atonement. a new one out because there was, there was a book, the older one, called Just the Atonement. I forget who wrote that. Someone yeah. wrote just a book called The Atonement, but that's different than what you just said. Right. Yeah. So like who's, who's the author? Peter on that. Who's the author? William Lane Craig. That name sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah, he's a fairly well known theologian. Yeah. Philosopher, theologian. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon will have it. Yeah. Can you can you text that to me? The uh, this is the name yeah. of the book. Craig, right? Yeah. There. Okay. Atonement and the Death of Christ. 
Um, I can. You want me to? You want the? Um, you want the link to Amazon? <laughs> Why? Well, buy it anyway, it's on Amazon. Really there it is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's nice. good. I'll have to. That sounds really. That sounds yeah, really good. Yeah, it's a really good book. Huh. Does it stuff you? Can you think of anything from the book that adds to this? Um, that you saw is that where maybe you is that part of where you learned a little bit about that word going back to the old the Septuagint? Well, yeah, because I'm I'm in it right now. Oh, okay. You know, in my thing, I was just kind of oh, wow. looking at some of the parts of it, but um, yeah, the the book. He, he makes a few different arguments in the book, and, and it's about the theology of the atonement, like what it actually is, what the words are, oh, okay. what does it mean. That's that's kind of how I knew like the word atonement was an actual literal word that combines three words and, and stuff. Yeah, atonement, um, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, so he goes through the New Testament, Old Testament, hmm. um, kind of sets the stage looks at like the the patristic the fa the church fathers and how they have dealt with with the atonement over time right the consistency of that and then he goes into a philosophical approach a logical approach on the atonement why it makes sense right why it's like a logically valid idea and then he even goes into um, legal matters right like in our western legal system where we have these ideas that are similar to what the, what Christ accomplished with the atonement. So he does these analogies between um, different legal systems and how the atonement might work. And so he goes into like uh, like so he quotes a lot of like legal cases and things like so. It's just it's just Maybe interesting. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I got yeah. it on right here. Huh. If okay. you're interested, um, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of dense. Okay, so I'm right now just sending all of you the link to the email. That makes it easy. Well, that's a new book too. It is. Yeah, wow. it is. I didn't even know. I didn't even know about it. And he spent considerable effort doing it because um, I don't think there's a lot of resources. You know, really digging into the atonement. Yeah. You know, like that's probably why he did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like that's the type of thing. I don't know if you guys, when the people are here, we went through the um, the crucifixion book um, for one of our studies one time. This would be like a neat, like little book. Us use that book to go like for um, for Easter. You know, like mm -hmm. Lent or something like that. Maybe study that book would be interesting to do. Yeah, was it a was it William Lane Craig? No, that not that one. This was, was um, like Gary Habermas. Flood, uh, Rudledge, Flood, Fleming Rudledge was one that called the Crucifixion. Phenomenal, probably the best book written on the Crucifixion. And she'll cover all these things, but she's nice. covering the whole gamut. But this been her life thing with doing this, and she's is excellent. Um, okay, anyway, let's. Um, I think we got 15 minutes, right? Let's. Look at Isaiah 6, um, 11 through 13. So did we cover what you were asking before, Mark? What's that? <laughs> you had asked something, but I guess, oh, you were just asking about the screen. 
No, there's. I, I'm going to text you something when I get home. Okay, yeah, you're awesome. Just, you're, it'll blow your mind what... Uh, oh, cool. Well, this, these are the pages from your sermon, and I told you I made something and framed it from your sermon. That's exactly oh, what we're talking uh, about. Oh. You're going to trip out. Someone actually takes notes and listens. No, and the string is... Yeah, you'll see. You'll just, All right, wow. Okay. I'll, do it, I'll do it before you even get home. Just go, oh, wow. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I'm... You guys are blessing me tonight, big time. Uh, all right, so I think. Yes. I love that the sermon was basically a highlight of up here. <laughs> 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 I was like cleaning my desk. Exactly. I got all kinds yeah. of stuff done. Like, yeah, I know that. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, it was great. It's like a review. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, you know, I asked, so I, it took me like two weeks sort of wrestling with this, and it wasn't until about the last four days. That all of a sudden I realized that Isaiah six, Isaiah one, two through three, was covering all the points that I was really trying to struggle with how to like go yeah. through, and then I was like going, whoa, wait a minute, this is exactly what we've been studying in Isaiah, as far as Isaiah one, two through three, actually having all those points about God our Father. So it's just bizarre. It's just it's just neat to watch how God works and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what it keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, okay, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah 6, page 40. For all of you guys, guys who have your um, journal. Um, all right, so just to, again, you know, we were, we had just, we just got the call of Isaiah. Um, then we went through what we just talked about, which is this, in 9 through 10, keep on hearing but do not understand, keep on seeing but do not perceive. Again, I'd invite you guys, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, try to memorize that. I'll try again. Okay, I'll, I don't even know if I get it. Keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of those people grow dull and their ears heavy and their eyes blind, or blind their eyes? Mm-hmm. I think it blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. I mean, that is our struggle, <laughs> is that passage. Is that still so applicable today? Um, and so, yeah, anyway, try to try to get that in your inside here if you can. So after he says that, then Isaiah says... And so you can just, you know, we put ourselves back in his place, like some of you were talking about earlier. You know, we put him, he's at the throne. He's got that burn. I think Chris was talking about, you know, that burning coal. He's just been radically, probably, well, atoned for his sins, <laughs> okay, that we talked about. And then he goes and preaches his judgment, which you saw in 9 and 10, basically telling the people, like, it almost sounds like you're already lost. But there's hope, right? You can see there's hope. And turn and be healed. So there's always that hope that you can turn and be healed. But so he goes and says this, and then, in essence, you can see Isaiah saying to God, looking up to God like, oh my gosh, how long, Lord, until all this takes place? Okay, when's the judgment going to come? How long is that judgment going to take place? And then you hear what is said, which is, until how long? Until the cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people 
and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. So right there you think pretty much, wipe it out, right? I sort of think of these forest fires, you know, you see. They just come in and just wipe it out. But then, just to be sure, (laughs) all right, and though a tenth remained, and you can almost think of this like a forest fire. You know, you look at the desolation, and then I remember going through um, Aliso Creek, um, what's it called, Park, the park right here on the other side of this mountain, mm-hmm. after they had the fire there. Um, and it was interesting going through right after the fire, and you just, like, just charred everything. But then just, and this was like, because you couldn't go in there for a couple weeks. And then going through on my bike, I was riding my bike through, and it's just completely charred. And all of a sudden, you see these little green sprouts. Neon green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neon green, <laughs> exactly. Oh, Growing up. Yeah. You know? I saw that too. Yeah, it's just, it, it's fascinating. So this, like this, and this, but then it says, and though a tenth remain, it also will be burned again. Mm. So it's almost like, okay, it's going to come through and just burn it again. Like a terror, terabinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. So at this point, before I read that last verse, you think we're talking about wiped out, complete destruction, dis- complete destruction, no more life, nothing. Um, and then out of that, out of that comes hope. <laughs> One little small sentence: the holy seed is a stump. We're talking about Isaiah referring to who? (laughs) Christ. Here you have what most feel is a... Like, this is so jarring. Some people in studying this, you know, through the centuries of like, oh, someone must have inserted that or whatever. I'm like, no. (laughs) This is exactly how Isaiah's been working. You know, we read about all this destruction, and then all all of a sudden we hear about the, the, you know, eternal city. And we read about all these woes, and then we find out in chapter 4 there's hope again. Same thing here. You have, like, complete destruction. And then when you think it's completely gone, that little green sprout comes out of that stump. Except this one's going to be Christ. Um, yeah, yeah, you just see that hope. That amongst all the things going on, we have hope. <laughs> that that will happen. Anyone else seen anything else just or questions or thoughts or um, I mean is this is this what, what you just said there sounded now, are we talking revelations here, or are we talking are we talking end of times, or are we talking between then and when Christ was crucified? Because this is sounding pretty definitive. This is this is pretty end of timesy sounding to me. Okay. It's it's really interesting because the holy seed is its stuff, and it's like, oh. Uh, 
all hell's broken out. There's nobody left. Everything's burned. Total desolation. Well, he doesn't Total specifically desolation. say burn here, but but you know, well, he says burn again. Then like he does. Twice yes. over, right? Yeah, I guess that, that's the implication. Kind of, kind of a burn twice over, yet the holy the stump is the is the holy seed is a stump, and you go. So 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 let's let's go to our 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 turned soil. Right? The holy seed is the stump. So where well, the holy seed? seed is a stump. Yes. So that which the, fell the the seed that was planted in the good soil if you're talking about a good soil parable, not yes. yes. Okay. That right. grew right. again. Right. All these words aren't used by mistake, right? Mm-hmm. So, if they grew in that good soil, and they were faithful till the end, through all this, what else does it say in, in here over and over again? If you're not living in me, uh-huh, right. you're going to look and see nothing but darkness. Mm-hmm. But if you're with me, you'll see my hand at work and it will be glorious. Even though, you know, what we would perceive in our current state, not a new creation, the old creation would find, it would be horrifying. This is kind of what we were talking about last week a little bit. It's like once you step into that new creation, what, what what can scare you? What can be concerning to you? Cool, bombs blowing up, the you know, comets, flying down, asteroids, whatever, you know, stars are realigning. But, and what's weird about it is that a tenth will survive. Well, a tenth will survive, but then that tenth gets burned. Yes, the tenth is well, there. <laughs> yeah, then it even goes. Again. And that's what's fascinating. But what does that mean? They'll be burned again. What happens? Now, we're talking not from our perspective of burning. Let's step into God's thinking, which is what God wants us to be doing here, is understand the way I think. Mm-hmm. Okay? What does fire do as far as God's concerned? It does a couple of things. It destroys it, and it purifies. You know, exactly. Right. Right? It purifies. Yeah. So, purification. What, yeah, judgment or purification. Yeah. What, 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 did the, what did the coal do? Both. It removed the judgment and it purified. So, that tenth is going to be that, then it will be burned again and it will be the holy stuff. Right? It's like the refiner's fire. That's right. Yeah. So the second fire, we'll be going, bring it, God. Thank you. Okay, so. I say we. Yeah, so <laughs> you would ask. <laughs> That's you would, a something. You would ask a question. I'll part. You would ask a question there, Jason. Um, so, like, what is he talking about here? When is this? Right? So I want you guys to turn to Matthew 24, and we're going to end by reading this. Is Matthew, oh, Matthew 24. And. You know, it's like we're still saying that, aren't we? How long, Lord? Is anybody still saying that? (laughs) Like, how long is this going to go on for? Um, How long, like, when are you coming back? When are you coming? We all know he's coming again. So obviously that holy stump and park can refer to the actual first coming of Christ, right? But it can also refer to the second coming of Christ. Yeah. And you have all this sort of together. So I'm going to read 
Twenty- we're going to end on something. Twenty-four. What? Matthew twenty-four. Just the beginning. Right at the beginning. So I'm going to read this to you. This is sort of the classic end times passage. All right. As far as almost really answering your question, Jason is okay. What's what's left to happen after Jesus? So he's come again, but he then leaves, and what does he say? <laughs> I'm going to come back, right? And so this is when he's still on earth, foretelling his death and resurrection, but then also foretelling what's going to happen after his death and resurrection of the cross. Okay? So I want you to just just listen, and I'm going to read most of it. In fact, I'll probably read all of 24. And just sort of think about what is the timing of all this and what is all going on here. So Jesus left the temple and was going away. And notice what he left? He left the temple. When his disciples came to point out to him the building of the temple, but he answered them, you see all these? Do you not? He's looking at this temple. It's huge, massive, massive thing, this temple that had been built. You see all these things? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay. And then he says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. Of course, you guys playing disciples last week. You probably do this now, right? <laughs> Go up to Jesus afterwards. Okay, well, um, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Is that not a question we have continued to ask? As of when, what's the sign of when Jesus is going to come again? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver up to you tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Is that interesting? Those little parentheses. You guys better understand this. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his second cloak. (laughs) Just making it up there. (laughs) The second shirt. And a loss for a woman who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight 
may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is a Christ. There he is. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead many astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you this beforehand. So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is there, the vultures will gather. Verse 28, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Then there will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth were born, and they will see the Son of Man coming out on the clouds of, out of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn this, this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and that hour, it's a good reminder here. When is that day and hour going to be? For concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away, and so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding the bill, one taken, one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the matter of the house had been known as to what, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night of the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken in for. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Mm-hmm. <coughs> a lot going on there. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Yeah. And yeah. so going back to when you said, and we just we'll close off here but just some of you guys can look at it and read over and over again but when you said what about was this going to be when this has happened or this happens or this or this now or is this later the answer is yes because the way prophecy works it's just like a ripple that happens in a pond you drop a rock what do you do you see the first ripple then the second ripple the third ripple prophecy works that way in fact in here you see they're working that way Part of the ripple that's occurring here is Jesus is saying about something that was fulfilled 40 years later, which was the um, 
which has been called the abomination of desolation. Forty years later, basically what we just read in Isaiah, just complete desolation occurred. This is what it looks like now. You have this beautiful temple. You guys saw this before. This is what it looks like today. This entire thing right here Mm -hmm. was all beautifully built up. It's where God lived, is what the Israelites believed. The Holy of Holies was right there. And today, exactly Jesus' prophecy was fulfilled. That this temple would look like it does right now. Completely leveled, completely gone. Every single thing wiped away and gone. And that's exactly what happened 40 years later. (laughs) But you can see he's not just talking about only that. He's talking about something that's going to happen later. (laughs) Or a second coming. So there's a near fulfillment and an ultimate fulfillment. Exactly. Or near fulfillment and ultimate fulfillment. When Jesus was talking about the destruction of the temples, because the stones of the temples were so monumental, the disciples assumed that was the end of the world, which is why they asked when is this going to happen? Yep. Because we're assuming it's the end of the world. So he talked about the destruction of the temple. Right. But then he also talked about the end of the world as well. Um, but we also see the near fulfillment and far, far fulfillment in um, John the Baptist being called Elijah because it's saying that Elijah was going to come. And that's a near fulfillment. But um, it's also believed that Elijah will be one of the prophet, one of the witnesses right. in the book of Revelation. Um, which would be like the ultimate fulfillment. Yep. Exactly. So, one thing I want to just note, and I'll let you guys go, is people keep trying to predict when Jesus will come again. They've been doing that for 2,000 years. You hear people say it. They come up with a date. (laughs) Right. They come up with the date. They come up with the time. They've been doing that for 2,000 years. It still passes. Okay? Because... They're doing exactly what the text says not to do. Not to do. You don't know. Stop it. Be ready. And, and also, and the text exactly predicts them doing that. Right. But what it does say is what Peter just said, and that's our that's our challenge, right? Yeah. Is that Jesus said, you don't know when it's going to happen, but our job as us men is be ready 24 hours a day. Because what is the sign? There's only one sign we just read it. There's only one time you're going to know when Jesus comes. And the word is immediately. So there is no, all those things we read about, the kingdoms and the wars and all that going on, those are birth pains. We get right up to the verse where he then says this is the actual sign. The sign happens like that, like lightning and thunder out of nowhere. There is no build up and then, oh, now Jesus is coming. People think, oh, look at the world today. Oh, that means Jesus is coming. Well, the world's looked like messed up like this for 2,000 years. Jesus hasn't come. He might come right now. He might come home before we come home. He might come 2,000 years from now. But when he comes, the only warning sign is, is no warning sign. It says immediately he's here. And that's what's fascinating. That's the sign, is the immediacy of it, which means, guys... <laughs> That's why we're all here. I love you guys all here. Is because be ready. Always be ready. The we're nations ready. will know. It'll be very clear. The yeah. nations will see. Yeah. So. Hey, maybe we can yeah. read Daniel chapter twelve next week. week. That's okay. Let's yeah, do that. Okay. It ties into this yes, very well. Good.
You want to do that? Why don't you do that? Why don't we do that next week? We'll open with that. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you for you. being here, Mark. Sorry. Yeah, very glad to really have you. Thank you, Greg, with your, all your family yeah, stuff. Yeah, thank you. Prayers are with you. Thank you. Chris, good to have you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, really good to have you, you Chris. Yeah, Dave, Dave and Mr. me are buddies. He, um, he got hung up on a travel That's thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, cool. but he'll be. Yeah. He sent his love. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's giving these emails, man. He's going on those emails. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Peter, you want to close us on prayer? Yeah, we look by the Jeep. That's nice. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you've revealed to us in your word. Lord, what we can know, um, the things that you've given us to know about your plan, um, the hope that you've given us. God, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your goodness towards us. Lord, please continue to open our ears so that we can hear and open our eyes so that we can see. Lord, so that we can honor you, live the lives that you have for us, do the good deeds that you have for us here on earth, and bear fruit for you, Lord. You are worthy to receive honor and power and glory in our lives dedicated to you. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.